Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to ELI, the place where you get your daily dose of inspiration for entrepreneurship. And today we have with us Mr. Vikas Garg, who is the founder of Paytel, which is revolutionizing the offline commerce by uh, enabling instant paperless EMIs to customers. Uh, hi, Vikas. Welcome to ELI. Hi, Priya. My pleasure to be here. Uh, to start with, I would request you to introduce yourself to our audience and tell us a little bit about uh, Paytel. Hi everyone, I'm Vikas, uh, one of the co-founders at uh, Paytel. Um, I'm, uh, uh, I'm a corporate banker by background. I spent close to about 10-12 years in the space uh, with uh, banks like IDBI Anderson Bank, where I was uh, essentially solving for uh, the large corporates, uh, essentially the blue chip companies of the country. And, uh, you know, uh, lending them and uh, structuring few of the transactions in a very high ticket kind of segment, right? Uh, after spending a couple of years with a uh, few NBFCs in my in my last stint before starting Paytel, I spent close to about three years with a US-based uh, fintech called C2FO, where I was leading the India business for capital finance for the entire C2FO. And my role essentially was um, to raise capital from banks, large global banks and Indian banks, uh, so that that capital can actually be used in C2FO's Indian marketplace. Uh, and it can actually be supplied to the small SMEs who were actually borrowing that capital. And uh, in exchange of a dynamic discount that we were discovering, they were basically uh, getting to early realize the entire receipts that they are receiving from the large corporates. So I pulled in close to about $100 million. And uh, uh, that that acted as a big growth spurt for the entire platform. Mm -hmm. And after that, I started retail. My other co-founder is Amit, who's been around with uh, me in C2FO. Uh, and we've worked together for almost three and a half years there. It's been two years uh, on this magnificent journey since that time we have started. We actually begun the commercial operations in April 2021. So that's that's a quick snippet about me. And uh, if I have to talk about what we're building in Paytel, we're building a tech stack. And we mm -hmm. built a very large tech stack where the problem statement that we are trying to solve, uh, especially in tier two, tier three cities outside okay. of the urban market, there are millions of small retailers which are sitting mm -hmm. right these retailers could be selling item products like uh, a consumer durable electronic appliance uh, a mobile phone uh, which is which are the traditional categories or they could be selling some of the niche categories that we are tar targeting like for example bicycle or sports equipments right or they could be selling uh, tires electricals electric two-wheelers all of these categories of retailers is something that we are targeting and the main market is outside of urban Markets in tier two, tier three geographies. What we have typically seen, unlike a very large retailer, large mm -hmm. format retailer, or unlike an e-com player, which actually has the entire fancy tools with them to really convert the customers, cross-sell, upsell to all of these guys. These retailers lack all of those tools. And on top of it, uh, the kind of categories that we're talking about, these are large ticket items. <clears throat> Whenever a consumer is wanting to purchase this item, especially in a tier two, tier three uh, city credit always comes in the middle, right? Mm. So we thought that, okay, uh, this is a very large, meaningful problem statement to solve because what we are talking about, uh, on one side, there is a $1 trillion spent, which is happening in the country uh, from a consumer standpoint. And about $300 billion of that spend is actually happening on discretionary segments, the kind of segment that we just spoke about. 85% uh, mm. of India's retail still comes in from small mom and pop counters. And no one is really solving for that. So what we are essentially doing here, we are enabling 
all the uh, all the trade financing for, for the trade or the sales that the merchant is making to the user. We mm-hmm. basically come in the give them a platform where with all the bank large banks and NBFC type that we have been able to build, they supply the capital instantly in that transaction, and the consumer gets to buy the product. Mm-hmm. So it's a consumer driven financing playbook that we have. <laughs> On demand side, we tie up with um, you know a lot of large corporates, and just to name a few few of the guys in consumer dribble space, uh, we work with folks like uh, Voltas, Blue Star. In mobile space, we work with uh, guys like Samsung, Vivo, Oppo. Uh, we pretty much own the entire cycle market in the country, almost seventy percent of it. All the large brands like Hero Cycle, Firefox, TA Cycle, KTM, Outdoor ninety one are they all already there on the platform. Uh, and the second tier of the on the demand side is actually the merchant network. <clears throat> We've been able to create a merchant network of over 80,000 merchants on the platform so far, which have actually generated from the brands that we are talking about. Mm-hmm. Right. And we onboard these merchants, we give them a QR code, and uh, the consumer scans the QR code and gets to transact. And the capital gets supplied by the banks and NBFCs to fund that transaction. This is essentially the problem statement that we solve. Got it. Can you can you tell us a more detailed explanation of how uh, the entire thing works in the back end? And uh, and just curious to know, uh, this is a problem statement that uh, companies like Bajaj, Finserv uh, uh, has tried to solve and solve to uh, a great extent also. So what's what's unique, what's new uh, with your approach? Well, Bajaj Finserv has been an inspiration. It's a magnificent institute, institution, right? Uh, but I'll tell you, uh, like a lot of other large banks and NBFCs uh, who are also there in the space, right? Uh, while Bajaj Finserv has been able to build the largest franchise uh, in our space, uh, it is largely uh, uh, limited, uh, basically, in a large format retail store or a medium format retail store. Uh, and uh, the business is highly skewed towards the transactions which are actually being originated in the urban market. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, my playbook or Patel's playbook is outside of this territory. We are targeting a retailer which is more Singchotu guy, small guy, mm-hmm. right? Where the overall potential to generate an EMI volume from that retail counter is not as high as uh, for to meet the appetite of a large player like a Bajaj, Bajaj or whosoever, right? It doesn't really make sense. The unit economics for a large player, when especially the, when they are operating on a man and machinery model, doesn't yeah. really make sense to position a guy in the shop and do all of that stuff. If you really want to disrupt that market and you want to disrupt that at scale, when you want to bring millions of untapped merchants into uh, this umbrella, you actually need a very, very powerful technology stack. That's what we're building. Got it. And plus, plus on top of it, there are some category level differentiation. Like uh, I, I can proudly say that probably cycle tires are some of the products which have never been activated for a non-EMI uh, so far. Uh, and we actually asked ourselves that question, why not? Uh, it's actually whenever a guy is uh, going to replace a tire, four tires of his car, it's actually 20,000 rupees expense. Yeah. Right. So why not? Let's just go and experiment. And we tied up, tied up with one of the largest tire manufacturers in the country, uh, Apollo Tires. Mm-hmm. And uh, the program just took off. Gotcha. Uh, speaking of technology, uh, can you give us a uh, understanding on what all tech stack uh, you have built? Like, uh, is there a AI ML play? Uh, how do you uh, get the collections or EMI uh, payments done? Uh, what's the tech stack involved? 
Sure. So there are four layers to this tech stack other than the architecture, right? Uh, the first layer, because whenever we are tying up with a, with a large enterprise, uh, some of the names which I just took, um, we do a thorough integration with them. We're sitting in the ERP. And now we're also launching a uh, CRM for them in which the enterprises would actually be able to manage their own ecosystem when it comes to dealers, when it comes to um, the schemes, the offers that they want to launch on Paytel platform, they will actually be able to do everything on their CRM platform. So that is the first layer of the tech. Um, the second layer of the tech is actually the merchant application mm -hmm. uh, or the merchant specific application, which is actually used for the merchants to onboard them in less than 60 seconds. And it actually has all the validations, verifications, which are built in. Like for example, each and every merchant in our network is actually GST registered already. <clears throat> and we already have some of the details coming in from the corporate. So if a merchant comes on the merchant application and they enter some of the details like mobile number, GST number, the system will automatically recognize them and will tag it to a specific corporate that, okay, this merchant exists in the network of this corporate, right? And on top of it, there are more features in the merchant application like user management. If the, if the owner of the store, they want to add the sales guys also in the same app, they can actually do that much like you would, some of the features that you would find on platforms like Amazon and store management, few more things, right? And on the same platform, the merchant is also able to track the sales, mm -hmm. how much he's been selling and uh, has he received the settlement of the funds or not? All of that features are there. This is the second layer. The third layer is actually uh, the uh, integrations or the real-time integrations that we have been able to build with all the large banks and NBFCs and the kind of people that we work with um, are some of the uh, partner lenders that we have are ICCA Bank, um, Chola Mandalam, uh, Piramal, uh, HDB Financial, and few more. Essentially, all the guys are $10 billion and above asset center management uh, uh, institutions. Massive, right? Top 10 institutions of the country. And we actually have been fortunately able to build a stack where uh, the entire information that we send to these NBFCs to take a credit call and the entire decision-making process that whether to lend to a particular consumer or not, and the entire disbursement layer, uh, that once a transaction has been completed, the money actually has to go into the account of the merchant. All of these three layers within the NBFC and lending stack are actually real-time. Everything is actually happening in nanoseconds. Um, and uh, to your question, AIML, this is where the role of AIML actually comes in. Mm -hmm. Because when a consumer is coming in, there are 5,000 different data points which get generated on the consumer. It could be oh. data point which is coming in from the SMSs, uh, from the bureau, or from some of the alternate data sources that we are actually linked with. And on these 5,000 data points, the data crunching and the entire engine runs at the background on both paytails end as well as the lenders end. And that is when the decision is actually being given on the real-time basis, right? So this is the third layer of the tech stack. The fourth and the, of course, the most important is the consumer application that we have, where the consumer downloads the application selects the product there's an entire sku management framework that we have built in that uh, because unlike a personal loan business where the guy is only wanting credit and only wanting a personal loan here the end use or the use case is actually to buy a specific product so which means that you also need to have a, the entire sku library uh, where the guy needs to tell us that this is the product that he's buying and this is the price at which he's buying and all of that and after that, he will go through a, a journey in which he will he'll be able to access the real-time credit. So it's a it's a very uh, deeply ingrained 
uh, tech stack across all of these four layers. Understood. Now, now would be very curious to know uh, about the journey of Paytel and your personal journey as an entrepreneur. Uh, to start with, I'd love to know how did you come up with the name Paytel? What's the meaning behind Paytel? And what's the story behind how did you arrive at this name? Uh, well, um, on name, of course, there's been a story because uh, Amit and I, we actually thought about it very deeply that uh, we always wanted to bring out a name which reminiscents with the exact problem statement that we are solving it with for who we are solving. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in the entire playbook, uh, what we ended up realizing that the main customer for us in the entire journey is actually the merchant mm-hmm. because he's the guy uh, who's pushing our product in the market, right? To the consumers. He's the guy who's popularizing Paytel. And mm-hmm. he's also the guy who, to whom we are actually adding the, um, uh, the major value. And he's the guy who opens my, my application daily. So, uh, and the market in which we are solving is definitely retail. So the tail came in from retail, right? And what we're solving for them is essentially a better way of receiving the payments and selling the products. So Mm. that's why we combined pay and tail. So, I mean, the payment as well as retail. So it became pay tail. Mm. That's how we kind of came up with the name. Okay. When did you think of uh, building this venture? When did you think of entrepreneurship? Ah, so two different things. I'll tell you first uh, the second point of when did I think about the entrepreneurship. I actually grew up in a small business family. Okay. My father used to run a small packaging unit uh, in my hometown. I grew up in Punjab. Um, and uh, after my education, actually, if I go back to my childhood, um, job was not never on the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, I was, I was all set that either I'm actually going to come in this business or I'll actually be running some other business. But uh, when I got out for higher education and everything, then I also ended up realizing that, look, if you really want to build something large and meaningful, <clears throat> mm-hmm. it's extremely important to also understand uh, the way the large corporates work. Right. And uh, yeah. if you really want to create an institute, a large institution, then you really got to be part of some institution uh, before you get some sort of hands-on experience and uh, i was lucky that um coming in from the commerce background and uh, you know financial background i actually landed up in some of the banks and some of the uh i'd say back then it used to be ivy league profile even now fair to fair to say that that when you're in corporate banking you get to see that exposure both working in a bank as mm-hmm. well as when you're working with some of the largest clients right mm-hmm. so entrepreneurship was definitely almost always there in the back of the mind that at some point I will basically start something of my own. Um, now, why particularly this business actually came in from my background while I was working. Mm-hmm. So uh, in the last six, seven years, I've been deeply involved with all, almost all the large 400 corporate clients in the country in solving for their supply chains. Mm-hmm. Right. So just to tell you what a supply chain is that when uh, whenever there is a large business, take any FMCG large business, right? Mm. There are thousands of suppliers at any given point of time for supplying mm. to them. And then, which is on the supplies, on the buy side for the corporate. And on the sell side of the corporate, there'll be multiple distributors, dealers, retailers, consumers will be buying from them, right? Mm. 
and i have actually been funding the supply chain on both the sides on the buy as well as sell side um while while chatting with some of the cxos in these companies they always used to tell me that hey look um i think uh, you guys have done really really well especially in my cto cto for days in the way you guys have approached the market and the the way you're trying to solve it but you know what i'll tell you a gold mine problem which okay. no one is solving the gold mine problem lies at the bottom end of the supply chain at the retailer counter so mm-hmm. if one can actually solve a problem in unlocking the hidden potential in indian retail and really helping out the merchant in selling more of the brand products to the consumer that is actually going to be a very very meaningful and ex- exciting problem statement to solve so we kept on discussing with multiple corporates about it and almost everyone pointed us in this direction that there is a very hidden very large opportunity which is there in the country to disrupt that. that's when the idea of petel itself mm. uh, uh, took birth and combined with that um, uh, i was always excited uh, about the idea of entrepreneurship mm. so the two things just converged and i thought why not why not start something with this and make it probably a very very large meaningful franchise mm. when your idea got finalized then how did you go about executing that idea did you first start with the tech stack or did you talk to customers or what what did you do so yeah look this is what i have learned in my uh, in my entire career also so far uh, whenever you are thinking about idea right what you got to be watchful about that that idea might only be great just in your head hmm no one else wants to buy it right, right. so uh, when we started off the first step was we actually went on the ground and met to about 900 plus retailers uh, in multiple geographies i went to my hometown i met close to about 100 150 retailers there we did the uh, i stay in uh, delhi ncr so all the way from noida ghaziabad farida faridabad uh delhi gurgaon i covered the entire market and met close to about 500 plus retailers day in day out uh mm-hmm. in the delhi ncr region so we both amit and i we did that market research okay. first of all and uh, research was more oriented towards small merchants across categories we really mm-hmm. wanted to find out that if this is actually a problem that people want to solve or only you want to solve when you learned that okay this is what uh what you're thinking the entire market is also thinking in the same direction then we just started then we didn't stop um and uh, yeah that's how we were born the next step was to put to start putting together a product document okay, okay uh, if this is what you want to do how things are actually going to work hmm. what's going to happen what's the kind of tech stack that you really want to build how it's going to work how things are going to marry along with each other um and that's where the experience that both of us we have we come from both finance as well as tech backgrounds mm-hmm. that experience definitely comes handy okay speaking of the tech background i think your co-founder is from tech so tell us how did you meet your co-founder because finding a co-founder is a big 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 hurdle in the entrepreneur's journey and it's more of a it's more like a marriage because you are going to be stuck with your co-founder for the rest of your life so uh, tell us how how did you find your uh, you, pilot uh, we are we are originally two co-founders both amit and i and we both come from financial backgrounds right mm-hmm. uh, but the third guy which who is currently our ceo and soon to be co-founder we are elevating him as co-founder that's rapi uh, so now we are actually going to be three co-founders amit and i very simple we actually worked together for 3 3 and a half years Uh, mm-hmm. Back in the C two C two days, and uh, Rati and Amit 
has have actually been close friends uh, for uh, quite some time. Um, yeah. You know, their family friends, the families meet and everything. And uh, uh, Rati is the guy who spent um, seven, eight years in Yatra. He built uh, Yatra's business, Yatra's stack. Um, mm. And then uh, after that, he spent close to about four, five years in Monster India. The entire employee side of the tech in Monster India, uh, Rati was leading that stuff. And uh, like both of us, even Rati was extremely excited about uh, starting something of his own. And when this idea kind of uh, came across to him, he also got excited and uh, just joined us. Mm. Any significant challenges along the way that, that you faced and how did you overcome that? Many are. I mean, the entrepreneurship journey is uh, actually full of challenges almost every single yeah. day. I'll tell you one instance. Sir. After doing the entire research, market research, and after putting together a very thoughtful, clearly articulated product document, the first product that we built, mm. when we took it to the market, people threw it on our face that okay. we don't want this. Right? There were glaring gaps in the product. Um, and... Uh, uh, that was actually a funny instance because the entire research that we had done in the market, we were still thinking that, hey, we will be able to start off. And earlier, uh, when we started off, we uh, we only introduced the credit card EMI and the cardless EMIs on mm-hmm. the platform. And we thought that this also could be a very large, meaningful problem statement to solve. But when we actually went to the market, we actually realized that India is actually a credit start market. If you really mm-hmm. want to be in this market, credit is something that you really want to solve for. Okay. Right? So this was the first challenge uh, uh, which uh, came our way. Uh, the second uh, challenge was uh, we, we actually began our operations first um, or second of April. Mm-hmm. And 15th of April was lockdown. It was COVID wave two. And we were, we were shit scared that I don't know what's going to happen. It's a new business for us. Mm-hmm. And the entire country, the market that we're solving for is offline retail. Correct. And there is a nationwide lockdown which has just been announced uh, we have few folks we've just hired and now we don't know what what's going to happen hmm. right so we figured out some some of the alternative ways we, we said that hey look uh, we we anyways have two three very large corporates uh, on our side that we have recently tied up with why don't we try things out let's just try and bring all the small merchants on a zoom call hmm. and the world was divided on that thought that small merchants call this sounds like a this sounds like a craziest idea that uh, people have ever heard uh, but you know what that idea actually changed the entire stuff the entire growth trajectory in the platform changed because what we ended up realizing after that that when the market went to lockdown there was no one else we were the only single tech player in the market which mm. was still serving the entire transaction whatever amount of transactions were still happening in the market we were the only ones to serve it. So at that moment, we actually started onboarding 200, 300, 400 merchants in one single day. Almost 200 people would join the webinar and out of that webinar of 200 guys, 100, 150 would actually sign up on the platform. Wow. Right? Very, very challenging, depressing time, but I'm happy that we were able to solve that too. So these were some of the funny and uh, you know some of the past challenges that we have faced and uh, we've overcome now. Hmm. Tell us, uh, what is the meaning of entrepreneurship as per you? How would you define the term entrepreneur or what is the process of entrepreneurship? 
Yeah, um, I think I'll, I'll tell you uh, one of my strongest learnings so far. Huh? Uh, I think the entire idea of entrepreneurship and uh, generally underrated mantra in the market is just to keep going. Mm. Right? Uh, there are actually, like in almost every scenario, there are going to be highs and lows and everything. A founder's job Hmm. always is to figure out that this is just a momentarily situation, whatever that be. And the I should be, the vision should be at a long-term objective. And the uh, execution plan always has to be from a standpoint that we have to keep going. And keep. And I've seen multiple examples, my career so far, in companies which are around, people have actually been able to <clears throat> build unicorns and these are some of the businesses, uh, even if I talk about two, three years back, no one actually knew about them. And these businesses have been existing for all, almost a decade. Mm. So what was the secret sauce in them? The secret sauce was that even after existing for seven years, eight years, um, and all the hardships, all the funding crunch, one single mantra, which actually made them unicorn or mm. achieved their status was, the, was to keep going. Got it. And uh, finally, uh, this was one of the lessons you shared, but what else, what other lessons that you have learned uh, that we can incorporate to our ventures? Well, I think um, the another lesson is that uh, as a founder, the situation is always over overwhelming. Um, and uh, another funny thing is that uh, when we were just uh, three, four of us sitting in the office, uh, things were super overwhelming. And Amit and I, we used to chat about that, hey, look, when we are actually going to have 10 more people in the company uh, and who will be doing this job, our situation is going to be a little better. We'll actually be able to take some respite. Now we are a team of about 180 people. Hmm. And things are even more overwhelming. Right? So as a founder, this is the permanent situation, the way it's going to be. Uh, so you need to really figure out that out of the entire laundry list of the things that you've got to do, how do you, how do you really prioritize? What are the things which needs to be solved on what kind of timeline? Mm. Um, everything is going to look important, but there you'll actually have to figure out your own priorities. There's another very important thing. If you really want to build a very large business, uh, having so many people around. Yeah. Well, uh, that was my last question. Uh, on this note, we'll close the session. Uh, Thanks for your time, Mr. Vikas, and it was a pleasure to have you on our platform. And my best wishes for Paytil. Thanks, Priya. Thanks for having me here. It was lovely chatting with you. Very intriguing. Thank you. Thank you.